there is no planet B. But what if there were? This is Houston Control. Check it for backup. I'm initiated. Locking out all ports. Clear. And we are good to go. Would we still paint a baby's room pink or blue? Would crying still be a taboo? Would we spend hours in the gym agonizing over our imperfect bodies? Who would put bread on the table? Who would be our strong leaders and our attentive teachers? What would be considered feminine or masculine? Could we build a utopia? Or would we be destined to fail in the same ways as before? This is Planet B. I'm Parisa Young. And I'm Nikki Trotter. This week, we're going to talk about gender. From the time we're born, or even before, the assignment of sex and gender colors everything we do. For the record, feminism, by definition, is the belief that men and women should have equal rights and opportunities. It is the theory of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes. Only six countries in the world give women equal legal working rights as men. In 2020, women made 81 cents for every man's dollar. And the gender gap isn't just work and wages. It exists in education, health, violence, and poverty around the world. And if your gender identity doesn't fit in with the sex you were assigned at birth, transgender people experience significant rates of poverty, violence, and discrimination. I think it'd be nice to know if it's always been this way. Or does it have to be this way? I decided that I was a feminist. We spoke to Aline Parivier, an economist and professor at Sciences Po. She teaches a course called, Is a Gender Equal Society Possible? We spoke to her on the phone to understand when and why did a division of sexual labor emerge. Uh, to split uh, works and to kind of organize the labor, and why is it gender? It might be gender due to reproduction and the fact that when women uh, were pregnant, it was uh, much more comfortable for them to be uh, very close to the tribe. But we can also uh, think about some experience of thought much more theoretical to understand, to analyze why such an organization has emerged. And so, for instance, we could think about uh, Simone de Beauvoir. So according to her, in the second sex, the, the very basic starting point of uh, male dominance and of sexual division of labor is really because uh, men were focusing on producing on resources and women, due to uh, their uh, fertility function, uh, were totally stuck uh, into uh, the, the house. So that's why Simone de Beauvoir uh, says that this is a fécondité absurde, which means the absurd fertility that uh, uh, is kind of a, uh, a damnation on the shoulder of women. Uh, another uh, explanation which is a much more 
more anthropological, uh, for instance, uh, Françoise Héritier. According to her, it's much more due to the fact that women had a power, the power to reproduce the human being, both female and male human being, and this power was so strong that it led uh, men to control it. And so, uh, uh, men had to kind of find another type of power, uh, to put it very briefly, and, the, and so they, take control, they have taken control over a women's body uh, to kind of uh, having access to this uh, big power to reproduce a human being. But is it possible to avoid the sexual division of gender? Has gender equality ever really existed? Or is it just another utopian ideal? We know that some tribes did not rely on on, on a sexual division of labor has existed. For instance, the Amazon. And uh, the Amazon is not uh, the tribe that the ancient Greek has have described in their writings and in their paintings. The Greeks were telling us that Amazon were a cruel tribe of female uh, fighters uh, killing their baby boys and uh, uh, shooting bows without men uh, in, in their tribes, which is not uh, true due to historical facts and very recent historical research uh, on those tribes. We know that you had a lot of women who were fighting and, 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 and going to war, where the men were staying at home taking care of children, so it's kind of an equal society or a gender equal society. I was transgender at a really young age um, and grew up in a family that was for the 90s and the early 2000s really progressive. Um, my mother was really open about her sexuality. My father was really open about his sexuality. Steve Adonai is an artist living in Florida. When I came into the city and had to start going to school, I think that's where gender roles started to play more of a power in my life because I started getting denied um, sort of the freedom to be w one of the boys, you know, and be in the pack. Uh, I got looked at differently. People compliment you differently. People speak to you differently. Just no matter what um, type of world you're in, there's always a bit of a factor of people teaching men that they are primal and able to take and able to speak and able to stand up and feminine roles, um, even if they're not female, feminine roles are always taught to uh, to stay guarded and to stay safe. I think in a perfect world or a planet B situation where we could start over, um, we I think gender roles would be completely abolished. So maybe 
we just, I mean, we've made up all the words that we have on this planet. Maybe let's just make up different words that aren't so separate as he and she, which was come up with hundreds of years after the word he and we were fine with it, you know, um, and it becomes more of a masculine um, versus feminine, but not versus sort of everybody has a balance, but they know how they feel and how far on this side of the spectrum or in the middle of the spectrum they feel and we're able to talk about it as a sense of oh you like doing this maybe you could do it for a living you like doing this maybe you can do it when you get home as a hobby everybody is working together everybody is able to apply for the same job everybody is able to run at the same times of night everybody is able to go to the same bars hang out at the same places go to the same grocery stores buy the same groceries for their families go to the same bathroom nobody's really paying attention Halle Humpfner works for the German association Bundesverband Trends and is responsible for the political work of the organization. The association is an umbrella organization for trans activists in Germany, based in Berlin. For 10 years now, we are realizing that there is sort of a paradigm change internationally, saying that trans persons are experts regarding their own gender identity. No one can evaluate that in a better way than the person themselves. Because of that, there are countries like Malta, for example, which is at the forefront saying, hey, we allow people the self-determined change of gender marker. There, it's absolutely sufficient if a person themselves goes to the registry office and says, hi, I want to change my gender marker. And this often comes together with a name change. By now, Several countries have followed suit. Belgium has a self-determined entry, Denmark, Ireland, Luxembourg, Switzerland, Norway. So there really are quite a number of countries. The contemporary international classification of diseases still contains a diagnosis with a name transsexuality. So there really still is a certain proximity to the term transsexual. That's also why it's rejected by so many trans persons. One point why the term transsexual is seen critically is because it incorporates the word sexuality. This causes confusion. Being trans is a question of gender identity, an inner knowledge about who you are, how you want to be addressed with, and in which gender role you feel comfortable in. It is not at all a statement about which person I find attractive, with whom I want to share sexuality with, and to whom I feel romantically attracted to. Unfortunately, we're having a situation in Germany where the legal grounds regarding trends are really outdated. Before I can change my name and gender, I have to obtain two expert opinions, for example from psychologists and psychiatrists. In the realms of this, there are often very overreaching questions asked. For example, sexual preferences or how often a person masturbates. This process can take around 9 months, but sometimes also 20 months, a time in which a person simply has to live with documents that do not align with a personal gender identity or appearance. This expert opinion also costs money that the trans person needs to pay. Usually it's around 2000 euros, but there are also cases of 4 or 8000 euros that persons paid for that expert opinion. 
This is a great obstacle and does not at all align with the fact that many trans persons face a higher poverty risk and experience much discrimination at the workplace and thus do not have that much money. I sing the body electric, the armies of those I love engirth me, and I engirth them. They will not let me off, nor I them, till I go with them, respond to them, love them. Girls, mothers, housekeepers, in all their performances, the group of laborers seated at noontime with their open dinner kettles, and their wives, waiting. The march of firemen in their own costumes, the play of masculine muscle through clean-set trousers and waist straps. This is the female form. A divine nimbus exhales from it from head to foot. You are the gates of the body, and you are the gates of the soul. The male is not less the soul, no more. He too in his place. The man's body is sacred, and the woman's body is sacred. It is no matter who. Do you not see that these are all exactly the same? in all nations and times, all over the earth. Oh, I think that these are not parts and poems of the body only, but of the soul. Oh, I think these are of the soul. If these are not the soul, what is the soul? This is a series of excerpts from Leaves of Grass called I Sing the Body Electric. I've spent a lot of time in my own life thinking about poetry, studying it, and looking to it for answers. Walt Whitman is maybe not the first poet you would think of as a feminist, but he was way ahead of his time. He wrote his famous epic, Leaves of Grass, in 1855. Never before had someone celebrated the normalcy of our lives, looked at our bodies and their societal role with such candor and intimacy. Western feminism is being seen as this kind of superior feminism to, to the rest of the world, to the rest of the globe, which is very problematic. This is Sujud Mumani, researcher and PhD student at the University of Limerick in Ireland. She specializes in Muslim women's self-representations via social media networks. We spoke to her on Zoom. I think it's very contextual. I think feminism itself, if I mean, if you look at feminism, there are so many different forms of feminism. And we have to bear in mind that um, Western feminism, yes, it might mean, it might equal sexual liberation. But when we look at Islamic feminism, for example, we see that actually Islamic feminists, what they're trying to do is reclaim the rights that Islam and the Quran gave them in the seventh century before any other Western legal system or any, you know, gave any kind of freedoms to women. So I kind of think that we need to be very careful in terms of we don't hold superior one form of feminism to another. I think it was in 2009, there was this um, a group of female feminists called Musawa, and they kind of realized that actually you can be a Muslim feminist and 
when it's dealing with things like reclaiming your rights that have already been given to you a very long time ago, these rights you already gave, unfortunately, patriarchal systems and interpretations of the Quran and Islam that tend to be very much under this umbrella of patriarchy, it's majority of them are men. is we have a mutual respect between both genders and we understand each other's roles and positions. Um, I think we will be more, I, I, I guess I would say, I would say less ignorance um, of each other's. We tend to kind of push this narrative that all oh, women are very emotional beings and men don't cry. I feel like these things should not be an shouldn't be a, an issue at all in Planet B. How would we move forward from that? How do we actually achieve this Planet B, these aims for that? And I do believe that that stems from education systems. I think we should educate from a very young age. You know, this labeling of kind of pink is for girls, blue is for boys, that needs to be diminished completely because, you know, my eight-year-old is very into Spider-Man. She gets a lot of hostility from school, a lot of hostility. Because why are you into Spider-Man? She gets asked a lot, why do you like Spider-Man? Oh, we like pink, you should like fairies. You should... And I am very insistent that if you like Spider-Man, then you have a right to like Spider-Man. So I think it's really important that we have these conversations from a very young age. So get it, you know, kind of deep rooted within our education systems and just have these conversations. I think we need people to have these conversations and be very open. And for somebody like me as a Muslim woman, I need to be very open to somebody who is not Muslim, who can come up to me, feel comfortable enough to come up to me and say, what do gender roles mean in your religion? And I think we fear that sometimes because we see it as, it's the fear of the unknown, isn't it? It's like, I'm not really sure, should I? I have a lot of questions, for example, about my headscarf, but it takes people a very long time to ask me. And sometimes when they ask me, I'm like, just ask it. You know, you shouldn't have waited eight months, just ask me. And I'm, so I think it's about having these conversations. Just, we should, we should be more open with each other and, and just educate ourselves and the other generation. planet B, women would portray themselves as they are, as they want to, and I think there would be no form of this objectification all the time. You know, we've been trying to eradicate the sexualization of women for a very long time. I have a headscarf and I'm fully covered. It doesn't mean I am not um, a sexual being. It doesn't mean I am comfortable with my sexuality. And I think we need to be stop obsessing over what women dress whether she wears a miniskirt or whether she chooses to cover her body it is none of anybody's business for me i'm very much um an advocate for women should pick each other up because we have to at the end of the day we pick each other up and then in picking each other up we show men that we are standing together and i think in doing that it encourages them to think oh well hold on these women are not going to take it you know any from us so uh, yeah so I think women just 
be themselves. Don't, if you want to put loads of makeup on, put loads of makeup on. If you don't want to put makeup on, don't put makeup on. But do it for yourself and just, just be you. Thank you for joining us on Planet B. This podcast was created by Sharon Aronovich, Masha Hotop, Nikki Treder, and myself, Parisa Young. All of the music in this episode was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. See you next time.